0: if you're a business who's even considering using a container kiosk to set up you're kind of putting it out there that you care about sustainability and that means you can access more sustainability financial programs you can actually reach out to grants and let them know okay this is something that I care about This Is climate opportunity? Climate opportunity. Climate opportunity. Podcast.
1: Great. Okay. So, Todd, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Trust me. It's a pleasure to have you. And I'm grateful because you found us. (laughs) And (laughs) I love the fact that you made the job easy for us you found us you shared your story and when crown brought up your story i was like yeah let's do this let's do this because sustainability and circularity and eco-friendly homes and structures and constructions and engineering has been a thing for me and i'm so pumped about this episode and i really really hope that everyone listening is going to enjoy it the tradition on the podcast is that I don't introduce my guests. I allow them to introduce themselves because I strongly believe that introductions are personal stories and no one can mm-hmm. tell your story better than you, right? So, mm-hmm. Toadun, it's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome to the show today. Please introduce yourself.
0: Okay. So, um, hello to everyone listening. My name is Morun Dun Obaygum. And i am a design engineer and the founder of red city company so i studied design engineering in university and then i worked with an interior design firm in lagos for a few years after that i worked with a security company really briefly and then i started working with a container construction company before i moved on to pretty much start my own business using the same shipping container, method, shipping, container scraps, oil drums, and basically other repurposed materials to try to create new products, like new construction. And another thing that may not be as relevant to the conversation is that I also work part time with the venture capital investment company. I started doing that just to like learn a bit more about, money and how to raise investments and learning so much about economics and business so i think that's why i do that so that is that is i've done this within the past i mean in summary it's been about 10 years of of everything that i I just i just summarized 10 years like two like Uh two paragraphs
1: i i was going to come to the fact that your story is pretty long the digital footprints go as far back as 2015 right your work with an art and you you just you just codedly you know went silent and all of that you are an art creator if I'm not mistaken right How has that influenced you and your work as a designer?
0: Okay so I think that when I was like much younger, I was always a really creative kid. So I would make these little toy things in school. I would like I was the best artist on my corridor like m- almost like every single year. So I-, I wanted to be like a full-time artist. That was what I wanted to study in school. But when I went to university, I actually got admitted to like an arts and design program. And then mm-hmm. while doing that, I became more interested in design. Uh, I think I had this lecture I- he really ignited my passion um, at one time and he would talk about design all the time and it just really got me excited and I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. I mean, I do like art, I do like drawing and all that, but I want my career to be based on design and creating products. And I wasn't even thinking sustainability or anything. I was thinking creating products, you know, being able to like invent things more or less. So that's what my background or like, that's what like my motivation was originally that's that's why i have like quite a lot of creative things because it's still something that i do more like a hobby but it's not something i do for like work so most of the art events that i've had you know have just been from a place of at heart i'm a creative and i want to like help other creatives but most of the things i've exhibited have all been design products wow
1: tell us a few about your favorite exhibitions We're going to come back to to Red City. Don't worry, we will. I just wanted listeners to understand more about the person behind the brand and the factors that influence what you're really, really doing and how this is important for our society, right? So tell me about your exhibitions.
0: Um, I don't think I can really speak on that. My experience with exhibitions hasn't been what I wanted it to be. So for me, it's not It's really not a positive experience. Um, I would say that art disappointed me in terms of the community, in terms of how artists are treated, in terms of how, even how people make money from art. I would say art disappointed me. So I wouldn't speak on any of those things. I don't have any fond memories with any of them. Wow,
1: that's quite a story, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. I guess so.
1: For someone on the outside, every time I go into an art gallery, every time I interact with art and creatives, the question in my mind is, how do you guys survive and thrive in this climate, right? That's the question. That's always the question on my mind. I see a lot of fantastic pieces and I'm asking myself, why is this piece still on display? Why is it still here? What's happening? And (laughs) it's incredible it's incredible
0: i I mean i'm not a i'm not an artist so you know i'm a designer so i i don't know how they manage i did work with artists in the past but again i've never practiced as an artist i've always practiced as a designer
1: great and your design experience now let's talk about sustainability and metals and containers well, I fell in love with containers and container buildings, I think about two years ago. Every time I see a container design or a container building, my eyes just lit up. So the person you're speaking to is a lover of container designs. Great. And That's amazing. All repurposing and recycling. What does that space look like in Nigeria? Because a lot of people might say, what's the big deal? I want to understand your. Constructions. I know that there are people who do container design and container construction for residential purposes and there are people who do it for the commercial related thing. Where do you play and what's the deficit looking like? I know that for a city like Lagos, the housing deficit is in about, is in hundreds of thousands, I think about 300,000 houses or units. If not more than that, I don't have the exact figure. but What does the landscape look like and why is what you're doing so important?
0: Like you said, there are quite a number of... It's not a lot, it's not as many as um, regular brick and mortar construction, but there are quite a number of people who are into shipping container construction. So for me, you mentioned housing, I don't do anything regarding housing. It's not like I'm opposed to it, but that is not where I really prioritize. I prioritize more of small businesses and kind of helping them set up just a, a place like the first startup. I mean, that is the first thing I think about. And one of the things I say when I'm talking to small businesses is I'm telling them, you know, what is better or different with shipping container construction is that it's modular, it has a modular differentiator. That means if you, a landlord, for example, tells you to leave a brick and mortar place you've been in for a long time, that's it. The place is gone. You really cannot carry anything away. You have to just leave everything. Or apart from your decor, you have to pretty much leave everything you've ever done. They could like destroy the building and that's the last you see of it. But like a lot of times with shipping containers, you have the opportunity of if you have to move or like leave the land or like leave where you're leasing, is a lot easier to, well, maybe not easy, but it's a lot possible to carry it to another location. Maybe you can take it home or like whatever it is. So I focus more on small businesses. I also focus on security, doing security kiosks. You know, quite a lot of estates. I don't know if you've seen them. You go to some estates and you see these container or like this aluminum looking kiosks. So I do that as well. So I focus on security and small businesses and then sometimes events, doing events, installations. But I don't really do anything regarding housing or shopping complexes or any of those big projects. I focus on the small businesses and the small, small projects, like small spots. That's my niche, more or less.
1: Absolutely beautiful. I love the fact that you're not doing the popular thing. And I love the fact that you're solving the problem for a particular category of people or segments of the market that yeah. I don't want to put in the forgotten ones. But hmm. honestly, what is the demand like for container? I, I don't want to put words into your mouth. What's the demand hmm. like and with the people you're, you're, you know your niche already? What are they, okay. what's the what's like for that niche?
0: I think because it's something I carved out by myself. I think that it's a bit challenging because a lot of people may not necessarily, especially with small businesses, they may not necessarily see the advantage. You know, when you go to pitch the idea to them, you know, a lot of them might be telling themselves, oh, let me just get, you know, when you're a small business, your every penny or like every couple is important to you. So it really doesn't matter if someone is selling you an idea that's long-term more profitable You're thinking like, oh, short-term, like what's that going to look like, short-term? But for me, it's something that I know the advantages. I have that knowledge of knowing the advantages, knowing what it could look like for you, and even knowing where my vision is going through the next five years. So for me, it's not about the demand. It's about you creating that demand. I mean, with every business, what you do is you create the market. So with every new product that comes in, I mean, if you do any historic reading on marketing, you see the first, uh, there's this article or this story I read about the first time they invented the toothpaste, you know, that a lot of Americans say, oh, well, we don't need a toothpaste. We've gone all these years without toothpaste, we're good. And then it took like years of marketing to convince people that, oh, you need fluoride, it's good for this, Is that the things it helps you with. And also like it's with every kind of, product that you introduce you don't expect people to sit down and be like oh we've waited for this all our lives most of the time it's almost never that way it has to do with you creating that market and creating that demand and educating people and letting them know okay not only is this advantageous to your business it's also advantageous to the environment it's like long term everything that you have or you need long term it has a lot more advantages for you as a small business than insisting on doing the brick and mortar that most big or large scale businesses would go for.
1: Awesome. Now, let me ask you to do, compared to the conventional brick and mortar, what are the perks of investing in your model? What makes your model better? Or let's not use the word better now. Why should the small businesses choose your model? What's in it for them?
0: I mean, as someone who understands finance and investing, I'm going to just outline some of the significance to growth and development of small businesses when you use container-style kiosks rather than the regular brick-and-mortar one. It's really, really quick to complete. So when you have a container-style chaos. It's pretty much already set up. I mean, you've seen places where they just have a container and they're selling something out of it. So it has like a quicker turnaround time to start the project and complete it. So that means if you are ready to start today, chances are by the end of the month, you already have a place people can come to and you can already launch. Second thing is that it's modular, which means that if you are making any design customizations and you ever have to be in a situation where you have to leave this place because of maybe you're having issues with your landlord you don't have to leave everything you have the opportunity to actually move the container to another spot again it has to do with the design how it's designed but again you do have the opportunity to do that it tends to be very energy efficient because they tend to be small so that means you're using a lot less energy You're having to pay like a lot less to keep it running. It has the longevity, which means that it can last up to, I think it's about 15 years. You're going to go using it without having to do serious maintenance. Then let's also look at the environmental, social and governance impact that that would have for you as a business. And that means that you can access quite a lot of opportunities that they have for businesses who are taking those factors or who are interested in impacting the global market that way then we can also look into sustainability financial programs that means that if you have or if you're a business who's even considering using a container kiosk to set up you're kind of putting it out there that you care about sustainability and that means you can access more sustainability financial programs you can actually reach out to grants and let them know okay this is something that i care about this is something I care about as a business, not just as, I mean, I know a lot of times when we talk about climate change, it tends to focus on the individuals, but the people who are making the highest or like the most significant impact are businesses. If we can have that even on a micro scale, then we're actually making significant impact to the environment. Some countries, they do offer carbon credit for companies that choose to use more sustainable options rather than the more traditional and wasteful options. So I think all of those things are like factors that I would consider as a business to use or to even pick this as an option because it's like, not only are you making savings, not only are you making more better long-term savings and strides, you're also making long-term climate changes and like impact on the society in general just by making that choice to make this instead of that so you don't have to waste with a brick and mortar for example if you're trying to move use a space for something else you're basically gonna have to break everything down and the concrete or the cement is basically waste because the process of making it reusable again is so complex but with a container design or a shipping container kiosk you have the opportunity to reuse almost everything i say that all the time to my clients i say one of the reasons why i like metal in general so much is that it has so much reusability for the environment if you create a gate today with metal the next 15 years it's still not scrap someone can take that same gate malt it and reuse it for something else they can keep reusing it for years and years. Some of the metal we're using today has been in existence for hundreds of years.
1: So that those
0: are things that, yes, I mean, look at gold. Gold has, there's probably gold that is still being used that okay. was mined hundreds of years ago. Okay, so that's me, one of the things I love.
1: Let me ask you something about this because you've raised a very important and critical point. Number one, I I can tell you're very passionate about this because you speak about it effortlessly, eloquently and friendly, and your passion just kind of exudes itself as you speak. But I look around, I know that you use containers, you know, recycled containers, but there's this proliferation of metal, I think containers, yeah, especially Mm -hmm. for small businesses. At what point does it become too much?
0: What do you mean by too much? Let me understand the question a bit. Okay. Better. I
1: know that you made a very important point that mm-hmm. metal can always be reused, right? It can always be yes. recycled. It can always yes. become something else. We're beginning to see more and more of these metal container shops and kiosks around, right? Maybe mm-hmm. not, model, but different other models. At what mm-hmm. point does, does it become too much, or does it become a problem to manage?
0: Um, to be quite honest, I, I think like that's like asking at what point do brick and mortar houses or shops become too much to handle? I don't think that that could ever really be a thing because people are always going to need houses. They're always going to need places of business. They're always going to need all those. The difference is just, what are you doing as an individual and as a business? that is going to long term is going to be the best for not only the environment, the community, economics, your finances. So I wouldn't, I don't even think that there's a point that we'll get to that will be like, oh, well, that's enough, that's enough creating houses. I don't think that is a thing. I mean, originally the whole reason why the shipping container construction, why it became so popular is that there were actually already shipping containers that were just laying to waste nobody was doing anything with them nobody really knew what to do with them because if you read anything about how shipping containers are used a lot of times with a country like nigeria where we don't really do a lot of exportation we do more of importation it is way way more expensive to carry a shipping container that has brought goods in to send it back it's way more expensive and it's very wasteful and it's part of a pollution issue because you're basically sending wasting all that for sending back an empty container so most of time we're lying to waste here and people will just use them for yeah i mean there were some people living in them some people just store things in them purpose it, let's put it as something else let's use it for something else mm-hmm. so i wouldn't really say that there's, unless we stop shipping in things to nigeria then yeah maybe it will become wasteful if people are just shipping in containers just so they can use it to build houses. But for now, almost 100% of all containers used for construction, they are containers that would have been wasted otherwise. And it's also helping create a market because now people who originally would have thrown away the containers or even those oil barrels, because I do use some of those oil barrels to fashion furniture as well, even people who would have thrown away those things before Now they're selling it and they have prices on them and they're even expensive. I mean, everybody's making money, everybody's earning from it. So I can't really right now. Anyway, maybe I can't see into the future, but right now for right now, I can't really see a place we'll get to where we'll be like, okay, that's too many containers. Unless people are actually just shipping in containers, simply to use them to make construction, then I can say, okay, that's a problem, but for now almost a hundred percent of the containers used are things that would have wasted originally.
1: Great. You know, I it's, it's difficult to stop you. <laughs> so a lot of times I really just have to listen and because of the way you articulate your points. And the next question I want to ask you is...
0: That's not a bad thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: take your flowers my dear take your flowers you're yeah, no good, good. Well,
0: thank you all right
1: so two questions number one how do you source your containers of course you've explained to us that most of these things are shipping containers what's the supply chain like and the major question i'm going to ask is you talked about energy utilization or energy consumption and mm-hmm. technically energy efficiency i'm curious because we are in the tropics we The temperatures sometimes could go as high as 28, 29, 30, 32 sometimes, depending on the season. I don't think that particularly fits into energy efficiency because of the cooling costs. So, explain to me. I want to disagree with you on the energy consumption part. And my challenge is, I don't see how containers are energy efficient with regards to heating costs. I mean, cooling costs rather. If you can explain that, I'd really appreciate it.
0: Okay. So when you have a container kiosk, it is not cooled by the air conditioning. That's not what cools it. So almost every time, well, unless you have a bad designer, you should have insulation in between the actual container and the walls on the inside. So even without any kind of AC or fan, a container is not going to overheat. That's pretty much it. I mean, you're talking about energy consumption. You don't need more energy to cool a container kiosk than you would need to cool any other room. You don't need more energy to do that. You can still have the insulation. With the insulation and everything already inbuilt into the kiosk, it's not going to have a cooling problem that you would need to use more. I mean, I don't know if you've been to any container kiosk, It doesn't have extra air conditioners because the container kills. That's not a thing at all.
1: I think the model you speak to is completely different from the familiar everyday ones that we see around that's just container and nothing inside it. I think this is a completely different model and the clarification now makes sense. The ones I'm talking about are the ones I see that are just metal and someone just inside either doing a phone call business or kind
0: of oh yeah similar. i mean i i have the same question if that's the case because i have no idea they're basically sitting in a tin box because
1: exactly
0: and that is that's that's
1: that, that could be really that could I be mean, very but with
0: important. those ones they are not they are most likely not using any energy consumption to cool it if that's the <laughs> case so i think that kind of that kind of rules out your question i think
1: yeah so i mean your model is different so I guess why you don't have energy consumption issues. So let's talk about your user experiences. I appreciate the fact that you heated or something. You previously talked about something that is very important. And that is creating opportunity for people. So people who have fuel tanks can now sell them. And I remember growing up and we used to have these fuel tanks, everywhere just you know, arranged some very, very high. And now You've created a market. What kind of things do you do with this 12 times, for instance?
0: Okay, so there's this furnishing I create for baths. You use this oil barrel to make two chairs, and then the middle serves as a table, and you just furbish it a little and it looks really good. It pretty much depends. I mean, I what I do typically is I come up with ideas all the time. I mean, I have notes where I'm just like, walking around. I mean, even with the container, I mean, one of the things that I do is I go to construction places for other companies and I pick up some of their scraps and I reuse them. So that's just something that I'm constantly thinking about. It's like, um, I, I don't know what that is the side of me that likes money, but I'm thinking like, okay, if we can take something that is basically thrown away and we can touch it up a little and it looks really good somebody is willing to pay a certain amount of money for it so that's kind of something that i have in my notes all the time where i'm like okay let's try doing this with this let's change this to do this or let's edit this a bit. and you'll be quite surprised some of the ideas people come up i mean i'm sure you would have seen some of them some of the sculptures people come up with based on just like throw the slippers there's i think there's one the one that's that au masquerade or something that's made of mm-hmm. like leftover sleepers and stuff like that so so yeah i do create furnishing mostly but also you have the barbecue grills that are pretty much just all drums and people are really coming up with interesting stuff and i'm just happy i'm one of them most times i'm happy like this is what the future is gonna look like every time i talk to my dad about what i think the future is gonna look like he looks at me like i'm so crazy i'm just like In the future, I don't think houses will look the way they currently look. They're going to be organic. They're going to be mobile. They're going to have their own life. They're going to be smart. He's just looking at me like, what are you saying? (laughs) So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Great. And you're beginning to make me very excited and I have to control myself because I equally believe that the future is going to be organically driven. And I love the fact that it is us creating our own solutions We're not importing ideas. We're not looking to Mm -hmm. replicate what has been done somewhere else. This is us basically decolonizing our own construction, our own architecture. We're trying Mm -hmm. to create our own solutions. And that is what this podcast is all about, organically sourced ideas, organic solutions that fit into our context, that utilizes our waste in a way that is eco-friendly, and fits into mm-hmm. the needs of our everyday people, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly beautiful. And I'm privileged to be speaking to one of to one of the people who are the masterminds of what the future looks like, right? So let's talk about success stories or user experiences. Which is one of the questions I love to ask everyone on the podcast. Tell me about okay. feedback you've gotten from your customers or your clients in terms of success story. How has your business your ideas and your innovations you know impacted some of these people of course there is no doubt that what you're doing is incredible i can imagine the volume of waste that you're taking away and metal waste pretty 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 dangerous because it takes years for these things to decompose right so imagine that Mm -hmm. we just have a place where we just throw all the metal and they could be very very harmful also but you are taking all those things away from where we could have kept them the landfills and all of that and you're giving them a second life. how are your customers feeling what's their experiences what are their stories like what kind of feedbacks do you get from them
0: okay well with my clients quite a lot of times it's like they buy into my idea and my ideas sorry and they pretty much just trust me so it's It's like, I'm talking to you, you have some idea, right? So when I'm talking to you, it makes sense. But quite a lot of times when I'm speaking with clients, it's like, I'm speaking in another language. I'm just saying, oh, they don't even understand what I'm saying. But by the time they see the final product. You know, it's a lot different because you can describe anything. I mean, I have a design process where I pitch the idea. I have a concept board. I'm telling them, okay, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to go, but it's a lot different when they see it. And a lot of times they can't even tell. You won't even be able to tell that it's a container there by the time we're done with the project, you know, they can't even see where the container is by the time we're done, finishing it and covering it and making sure that it looks really good. So most of the time, my feedback, the feedback I've received has been them just being like, is it, is this really, is that really, and even when their friends come into the space or their family or we're doing the lunch, everybody's like looking like, okay, they can't, they can't even really tell. Because by the time we're done with finishing, it's honestly almost never looks like it's made from a container. And that's pretty much what you want to accomplish every time you're in anything relating to sustainability and reusability you want to make the end user feel like they're getting a brand new product because everybody wants, nobody wants to feel like they're using somebody else's discarded product. Everybody wants to feel like, Oh, this product is new to me. So, I mean, I know, I don't know if you've seen this sometimes with fashion girls on Twitter, where they will edit an outfit from a big shirt, it goes into a two piece and looks like a brand new outfit. And you can't even tell that it was made from some oversized t shirt So a lot of times that is what the experience is like. And most times they're asking like where, where, which parts, what, what, where, but again, not all the time, because we've done more of like some raw construction where they have more of a raw design, where it looks more like an outback steak kind of place, like an open or like a raw look. So with those ones, it's a little bit different because most of the people asking for that already know what they want and know what it looks like and the feedback is definitely going to be based on okay doesn't look like what i had in mind so yeah that's pretty much been my feedback that's pretty much been the stories that i've i have so far um have pretty much been customizing that being surprised that that is actually made from something that's upskilled, or them being oh okay well at least it looks like it so that's pretty much how it, it has been in my experience.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I am wowed. I think I haven't interacted physically with any products. But if your product are as good I as know, you maybe, make them maybe sound, maybe
0: you have. Maybe if you, maybe you have and you just don't know. <laughs> maybe you have. You're just not aware, you're aware of not, it. You just
1: don't know, right? It's, it's true. But if your product are as good as you make them sound and make them feel, honestly speaking, I will be wowed. So You are a woman playing in construction. How on earth have you been able to keep your heads above the water in that space? And what is your daily experience like doing this?
0: Okay. So I'm a bit, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. So (laughs) I I'm to be cautious talking about this because it can be challenging but quite a lot of times you will find that your workers are either or the people you have to work with they're either way nicer to you because you're a woman or they are way more arrogant so it's a, a toss-up really you had i hardly well i don't know about anybody else but i hardly ever get a neutral reaction. I usually get more of like, wow, you're a woman doing this. Wow. Okay. Let me really help. Let's okay. Let's do this or let's work together or let's let me help you do this. Let me help you do that. Or I get, you know, the arrogance where they may not necessarily say they are being disrespectful because I'm a woman, but I feel like maybe that's why. So I don't, you know, I don't want to be negative about anything because. At the end of the day, I'm happy that I have, I'm glad that I have this opportunity and I'm glad that I have this opportunity as a woman in 2023, rather than if I had had it in 2003. So I I don't, I don't really want to complain about my experiences. I generally had good experiences to be honest. So, you know, that's all I can say on that.
1: Thank you so much. So I'm not going to push that conversation anymore because... I wouldn't. (laughs) So we're just going to leave it on the (laughs) cliffhanger. It's
0: exciting because it's like, you get to be one of the first few women doing this. I don't think that's (laughs) something to complain about. I think that's something to be happy about. I mean, I think like in the next 20 years, there will be other young women trying to do the same thing because of me. And I really don't want to complain too much about the, you know, some of the negative experience I've had, I've, experiences I've had, cause I don't think they have been as many as the good ones. Or even just, just even knowing that I'm one of the first few women doing this. And that makes me feel excited to go to work every day. So I'm, you know.
1: Great, right, great. Right. So you're based and you work in Lagos, right? Yes, I am. Fantastic. All right. So tell us, where do you see your organization in the next five years? Where do you see your brand, your business in the next five years?
0: Okay. So for me, I'm like, I've said, I'm all about working with businesses. And I would hope that in the next five years we have, well, I mean, almost every single business. If you left to me, I would want a significant portion of small businesses to be our clients, the Red City's clients. But then another significant impact that i would hope to have would be with our security kiosks and safe rooms so like i mentioned earlier we do build security kiosks and safe rooms and you know security is a very significant issue in nigeria but um, also africa so in the next five years we're hoping to have developed a security system using all these skills that kind of work like as a network hopefully something partially built on a web three or the web three program so maybe something other security agencies and even governments can access and use so that is the next five-year plan is to really not only work on the businesses and small businesses but also work on the security aspect of it and also making sure that we're building everything with as much sustainable materials as we can so to change what it looks like for security and safety within Nigeria and to do that in a way that's built on sustainability.
1: Thank you so much, Todun. Thank you so much. I believe and I'm convinced that you can do everything that you have set out to do, right? Um, Your passion just you're an energy baller and you have a way of drawing me into your ideas and your visions. I've never been this Excited on an episode of the podcast.
0: Well, I'm uh, very excited talking to you too. I think you asked the most relevant questions and yeah, they're a bit challenging, but hey, yeah, I do like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's the idea is to make it as challenging as possible because yeah, we want I,
0: really I was really shocked when you asked me, I, I didn't want to talk about my arts, <laughs> my arts experience at all. Ugh. I was like, ugh. It's been so sad. I don't even know what it's like if you're like a full-time artist. I can't even imagine what that's like for you because uh, my experience with it was, brah, I was really sad.
1: Well, I think that we all have that one experience in life where you tried something and it wasn't so palatable. and. As long as you moved away from it as fast as possible and it's just one of those things that you tried in the past. For me, the joy is in the fact that I can look back and say, I did it, it didn't work. Other than looking back and saying, what if I had tried, right? I think the three questions that haunt us the most in life are could I, would I, and should I? Those three questions are questions that nobody wants to go you know into their grave asking what would have happened mm-hmm. yeah would uh, right. i have done it should i have done it would i have done it you know those things but if you do it and you get burned or you do it and it didn't work you go into the future knowing that you ticked that box is behind in the past you're moving on to something else and you know you can just face the future without questions because questions sometimes can be very very disturbing And that's what I'm going to say to you about that. So there's really no regrets, no pain. It's it's one of those things that you've done. And I think it has contributed to who you are today. And thank you so much. it
0: It really has, because I think the major thing it contributed was really getting me to understand money and understanding how money works. So it did have that impact, at least on my career and my life in general, to be honest
1: great fantastic thank you so much and uh, usually i would end with a question of who would you like to come on the podcast who are two or three people that you think are doing something incredible relating to climate change or sustainability you okay feel that well like-
0: i have someone i want to recommend okay i have two people actually so oh, i don't okay. know if yeah okay so one person is my sister she is on the board for this climate change company. I think the name is EcoPro. Okay. She has been about climate change far longer than I have. So I think she will be the perfect person to come on and talk about some of the work that EcoPro has done. They've been responsible for cleaning beaches, they've done quite a lot of activation to try to educate more people about climate change. And then the second person is one of my teammates. So I play flag football. So she used to be on my former team. I was on this team Titans and her name is Beatrice. I know I've seen her with this company doing quite a lot of cleaning. She's really into beaches. She's an artist. She's a full-time artist. She's really, really talented. And she really cares about the environment on a very personal basis. So I think those two people they're very much practicing what they preach as well.
1: Right. Okay, thank you for the recommendation. So your sister's name will be what?
0: Ray, Ray Bible. I will send you her Instagram as well.
1: Okay. So it's so Oremi.
0: So you can reach out to her on Instagram, Oremi.
1: Great, great. All right, great. So if you want to reach, Podon, please go to Red City Estates. Follow her on Instagram and leave her a comment a like on whatever she's doing she's incredible
0: even if you don't want to do anything you just want to talk i'm a big people person i love talking i don't know if you can tell that but (laughs) if you want to just reach out and just say hello and like you just have ideas you want to just talk and talk about i'm totally game to do that i love people i love talking i love to interact so yeah
1: Thank you. Okay, Todun, it's been, call your full name again, Moron
0: Todun Obaegu.
1: Moron Todun Obaegu, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been incredibly fascinating speaking with you. I think this is going to be about the longest episode of the Climate Opportunity podcast we've ever had. I think we've gone over 40 minutes, but I'm...
0: You invited the biggest, biggest soccer team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, you are going to come back. You're, we're going to have a, we're going to have a part two, right? Uh, okay, we'll, yeah, let's do it. I think the, the part two is going to be pretty much us just trying to create mental pictures of what's the future, is going to look like I need someone to talk to about the future of real estate and sustainable buildings in Lagos and, you know, in African cities. So put that at the back of your mind. I'll be in touch. We're just going to, it's just going to be us rambling about what is possible. No real estate.
0: Okay.
1: Just creating crazy ideas. And we hope that listeners will enjoy that. Thank you Thank so you much. Well, I can't you.
0: wait. I can't wait for that. I'm going to share some of my <laughs> hair. Ideas that makes my dad wonder if I should be detained. He's like, <laughs> he's talking to him. He's like, what?
1: <laughs> all right, Tondu. Thank you so much. We could go on all day, but we'll put it. uh We'll bring it to a close here. It's been fun speaking with you. Do have a lovely rest of your day. And if you're listening, today has been fun. Today has been nice. Tomorrow is another day, and tomorrow, of course, is the next edition of the show. Do have. A pleasant rest of the day. Thank you so much. Bye. -bye. All right. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye.